Hello, City Hope. Everybody doing good? Okay, it's better to do it this way. Did your football team win? <laughs> yeah, that, that stirs it up and then stirs it down a little. It just makes a big mixture of everything. So anyway, um, it's great to see you this weekend. I want to welcome the Mobile campus, Foley campus, Baymanette, Holman, all of you guys. Thanks so much for being with us this weekend. We are uh, really excited about what God is doing, and the baptismal service is going to be incredible, and you'll hear more about that in just a few minutes. We are in the fourth part of a series entitled My Best Friend, the Holy Spirit, and if you have your device, you can turn to 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Kings 17. I want to jump right into this because I want to give you a little recap from last weekend. And I want to explain a little bit more about the Holy Spirit and his gifts, okay? So you've heard me say this several times in this series. When you are born again, when you ask Jesus Christ to be Lord of your life, the Holy Spirit baptizes you into the body of Christ. When the church is taken out of this world we're in now, we will be the bride of Christ. So you're baptized into that and then after you're baptized into the body of Christ, Jesus will baptize you into the Holy Spirit. When he does that, you have access to all of his gifts. We started talking about his gifts last weekend. Uh, and here's the picture I want you to see. With his gifts and you serving and doing ministry for people, now you are a vehicle to carry God on the earth. In fact, he, the only gate he has to get into this earth is through you. That's how he reaches other peoples through you. So all of the gifts of the Holy Spirit can appear on the scene as an expression of God through people at different times, different places. So here's what Paul said. He said in 1 Corinthians 12, 1, Now concerning spiritual gifts, I do not want you to be ignorant. I don't want you to have misunderstanding. So here's what I have noticed. Being here in the Bible Belt of the Deep South, we have two extremes. We have two aisles. We have one aisle that has eliminated and not looked at this and studied the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And then we have another aisle that has taken the gifts of the Holy Spirit and have abused them and taken them to extremes so that people are afraid of them. And then on the other side, people don't know about them. So the purpose of this series is to erase the question marks. If you've missed any of the messages, I encourage you to go back, listen, watch them online. And then uh, we, we're, we're going to have one more message on this series, and that's the, probably the one that most people ask me the most questions about. Well, we'll get to that next time. Now, you can live without the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and you will go to heaven. But as, let me use this analogy, you, you can live without your eyes and your ears and your speech, but what you accomplish is limited. So spiritually, you're very limited without the gifts of the Holy Spirit operating through you. And you can be holy without spiritual gifts, but you can't minister mightily in God. And today, those of us who are believers, we are the church, and we need to be mighty in God. There are a lot of hurting people, a lot of things going on in our world where people need to see the love of God and the power of God come through us, and not just another cliche, not just another church, but see God in you. So now you are that vehicle. So listen, I'm going to read again the list. Here's the list. It's in, it's in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 8, that Paul gives us. For one is given, he's going to list the nine, okay? For, for to one is given the word of wisdom. That's one gift. Through the Spirit to another, the word of knowledge. That's two. 
through the same Spirit to another faith. Three, by the same Spirit to another, gifts of healings. Four, by the same Spirit to another, the working of miracles. Five, to another prophecy. Six, to another discerning of spirits. Seven, to another different kinds of tongues. Eight, to another the interpretation of tongues. Nine, but one and the same Spirit work all these things distributing to each one individually, notice each one individually as he wills. Now, I believe, the, I believe the Holy Spirit owns all the gifts. I've had people say to me, I have the gift of this, I have the gift of this. No, all of these gifts belong to the Holy Spirit, and he can give to each believer as that believer has a need or as he wills. And that's so wonderful because what it does to each one individually, but it profits all of us. It profits everybody that's part of the body of Christ. So they belong. If, we're going to touch all of the nine gifts. This category of gifts, there are three categories of nines. This category of nine is called the charismata gifts or the grace gifts. So that's what we're looking at. Last week we looked at three, and today we're going to look at three. They're divided into three categories. So the, the discerning gifts, the dynamic gifts and the declarative gifts. Last week we looked at the discerning gifts. So let me just highlight those. There were three. The word of knowledge is the dominant gift. Here's what that means. A word of knowledge it is to know something specific without having learned it by natural means. You don't know it in the natural, but suddenly God pulls the curtain back. Remember the word reveal, and he reveals something into you that can only come from God. The second one is discerning of spirits. It means to be made aware of the presence of a demonic spirit. And in the Greek, the word means judging through. So in other words, you are judging by the spirit through the natural to see into the spiritual. And that's what is showing you a spirit that maybe is attacking your home, your finances, your children, your health, and, and you realize what's going on. Uh, the third we looked at last week is the word of wisdom. Here's what that means. It's a divine answer or solution to a particular problem. It's when you don't know the answer for what you're going through, but the Holy Spirit, who knows everything, remember the Holy Spirit is God, He knows everything, and, and He shows up with God's perspective, God's wisdom, and it comes on the scene for you. So I left you last weekend with this, that the gifts are good because we need words of knowledge, we need discerning of spirits, and we need words of wisdom. Now, this weekend, we're going to look at the dynamic gifts, uh, commonly called the power gifts. And I want to show you how they work before I list the three, okay? Because faith is the dominant one. Remember, in every category, there is a dominant. Faith is the dominant. So gifts of healings and working of miracles are two expressions of faith, just like discerning of spirits and word of wisdoms are expressions of a word of knowledge. So the word faith, I'm going to show you this word in the Greek, and I'm going to show you this word in the Hebrew so that you understand what this means before we get into the gifts of faith. So the word, in the Greek, the word means the power by which God speaks and brings something to pass. Faith is the power by which God speaks and brings something to pass. Well, that's in the Greek. What about in the Hebrew? If you remember in Genesis, you, 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 you can remember this because it's in there so many times, but in Genesis 1, and God said, let there be light, and God said, let there be an expanse between, and God said, and God said. God said in the Hebrew is the word amar, and it means God said so, and there is no alternative. God said so, there is no alternative. So faith is the power by which God speaks, and then we speak what he says in his word. We confess what he says, and that will bring something to pass. 
The Bible says in Hebrews 11:3, by faith we understand that the worlds were formed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. Worlds were formed by the word, so through faith worlds were formed, they're formed by the word of God. He simply spoke things into existence. Let me give you a little more practical understanding of faith. Faith is letting God speak to you in your life peace. You're in a turmoil, you're in a crisis, and God speaks peace. And, and, and here's, here's what happens. When he speaks peace to you, and then you receive that peace, and you start speaking it, then guess what happens? It, it, it rises up within you. So God, he speaks. Well, what, what does God say? Well, let, let me tell you some things that he said that affect all of us. He said he would forgive all your iniquities, confess them, and then join in his confession, and you'll be saved. He said that he will heal all your sicknesses and disease, confess what he said, join in his confession and be healed. So faith is the power to say what God says and then have, have watch it come to pass. So these are power gifts. And listen, the power gifts are not hard gifts for the Holy Spirit. The, the Holy Spirit doesn't have to pump himself up to do a miracle. The Holy Spirit doesn't have to limit his power because it may run out in this country or that country. The Holy Spirit doesn't have to fast and pray to make it easy for God to work through healings and miracles. So let me show you these three. Here, here's the first one. It's the gift of faith. The gift of faith. Here's the definition of it. A supernatural impartation of belief and confidence for a specific situation. Now, you probably have heard that we all have a measure of faith. When you were saved and you accepted Christ, that's called saving faith. You put your faith in Jesus, you believed in Jesus, and as you're growing in the Lord, you grow and you mature in faith. That's a measure of faith. But a gift of faith is not the same thing. A gift of faith is confidence for a specific situation. It comes from the Holy Spirit. Let's say you've lost your job. Let's say there's sickness or health or there's a negative report or there's a tragedy. There's something going on inside, and the Holy Spirit, this gift of faith, will give you peace. And I've heard people say this, and I, I look at them and I marvel, but I know where it comes from. They say, I don't understand what's going on, but I know that it's going to work out. God's going to take care of it. I know God's in control. God's going to work it out. And, and here, here, let me give you a picture of that. When you look at, in the book of Daniel, at the three guys that were going to be thrown into the fire, the, the, the three Hebrews, and, and, and they said this, they said, our God will deliver us, but if he doesn't, we still won't bow. And some would say, well, that sounds like doubt. That's not doubt. That's where their faith is. In other words, they have faith in someone instead of faith in something if you put your faith in something something will always disappoint you you have to put your faith in someone and that is jesus christ and we 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 have to understand that because if if, if not we're going to miss out on what god has for us because we put our faith in the wrong thing in something not someone so the gift of faith, let me show you where it kind of starts, is a good starting part for it in the Old Testament. And in 1 Kings 17, verse 1, it says, Elijah the Tishbite and of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, Ahab is the king of Israel. He's a bad king married to a bad woman named Jezebel, okay? So this guy Elijah goes to this king, and here's what he says in his face. As the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall be no dew nor rain these years except at my word. 
Now, this is the first appearing of Elijah, and he, he, he doesn't list his ministry, his preaching. His, it doesn't say he's the man of God. It doesn't say he's a prophet. It just says Elisha, the Tishbite, which means he's a, res, a resident of Tishba, which means he's in the providence of Gilead. So he said he had to have bold faith to walk in front of this king and speak this word of knowledge. God gave him a word of knowledge, and he said, listen, there is no rain, no dew, until I say so. That's what God said. So in chapter 18, verse 1, and it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year. It's been three years, no rain. Crops are dying, the cattle are dying, people are dying, there's a drought, and there's no rain. But the Lord came to him again after the third year, saying, go present yourself to Ahab, the king, again, and I will send rain on the earth. Now understand, both times he had faith Faith accompanies the Word of God. He heard what the Lord said to him, and by faith, he reacted with it. So you have to understand, you have to have faith, but faith is connected to what the Word of God says. The reason he had faith is because God told him to go to the king and say, it's not going to rain until I say so. Now he's going back and say, okay, there's going to be rain. Now in verse 41, watch the story. Then Elijah says to Ahab, go up, eat, and drink, for there is the sound of abundant rain. Now, it's, it's dry. There's no rain in the forecast. It's, it's dry. It's a desert. And, and he says, there's sound of abundance rain. So Ahab went up to eat and drink. Elijah went to the top of Mount Carmel, and he bowed down on the ground, put his face between his knees, and he said to his servants, now go up now and look toward the sea. So he went up, and he looked, and he said, there's nothing. Seven times he said, go again, go again. He bowed his head between his knees. In this text, it doesn't say he prayed. In another text, it says he's praying. Every time he's sending somebody up, he has his head between his knees and he's praying. So no faith. Is that what you think? No doubt? No. He has faith, and he prays, and he prays, and he prays. And on the seventh time, he, the servant comes back, and he sees the cloud the size of a man's hand. No drought. Everything's dying. There's a, a, the Word of God says there's an abundance of rain coming, and all there is is a little cloud way off in the distance the size of a man's hand. Now go tell Ahab that the rain is coming. So here, here's why I told you all that. I, you want to know how to prepare yourself to walk in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It is by prayer. There's no short change to that. There, there's no way. It is prayer. It is, it, you have to be a person of prayer. Here's why, okay? Here's why. Because a person of prayer has to learn how to hear the voice of the Lord. Most of the time when we pray, we have too much noise going on, noise being my voice, my list, my wants, everything that's in my world, and I'm so consumed with me that I don't have the time or I haven't trained myself to listen to what the Lord wants to say. And so a person who prays, recognizes the voice of God over and over and over again and you have to hear it and and listen when you hear it then you have faith to react you have faith to believe it you have faith to do something and I've had people say well I I think I have a word from God if you have to think it means that you you haven't prayed enough because when you pray enough you know his voice when I hear the voice of God I know in my knower like the old timers say I know in my knower now I qualify 
qualify it. I make sure within myself, but I know that. I know that voice. And most of the time when he says it, to this point, it's like I'm not going to try to rationalize it, figure it out. I'm just going to do what he says because I know that voice, and I want to hear that voice. And and, and many times we've been we become discouraged because we need to hear from God. What do we do in this situation? Do we have the surgery? Do we not? Do, do, do we move? Do we take the job? Do we marry this person? And we can't hear it because we, we haven't spent enough time with him to discern his thoughts and his thoughts on the matter. So what about the gift of faith in the New Testament? Well, guess what? It's there too. In James five thirteen, he said, is any one among you suffering, let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Watch. Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise up, the, the, and the Lord will raise up him. And if he has committed sins, he'll be forgiven. Anyone sick? Did you call for the elders? Did you have somebody pray for you? Did you come to the front at the end of a service and have somebody pray over you? The scripture shows us the prayer of faith will heal the sick and forgive sins. But most Christians, we, we don't do this. Now stay with me on this. Don't, don't, don't change channels, okay? Most Christians, we, we, we don't do this. What do we do? We, we, we call the doctor first. We renew the pills first. We get a new pill. Uh, no, the word says first to call on him. The, the word says first, and, and, and I've noticed this from Christians, a lot of Christians, uh, they're, they're, they're not coming for prayer when they have something they have a need of, and, and, and you know, they, they didn't come for prayer or get prayer. And here's our problem. We don't like to ask for help. We, we don't want people to, to know. We don't want to admit we're weak. We don't want to admit we're sick. We, we just want to keep it quiet. And so God wants an expression of humility when we're sick. So when you read this, James 5, he, he said, hey, if you're sick, are you coming and having somebody pray for you? Because the people at the end of a service that come up for prayer, they represent elders of the church. They represent people of, of maturity who are going to pray for you. And, and, you know, are you coming for prayer? Are you going to find somebody to pray for you? Are you going to call in and let them put it on our, on our prayer list so that people are praying for you? Are you just going to keep it to yourself? Are you not going to pray about it? You're just going to run to the doctor and say what they say. I know it's real quiet. But Elijah is no different than us. Elijah was a man of the natural nature. He, he, he's not a superman. He's not wearing a big E on his chest like we think. And, but here's the key to this prophecy. And you understand this prophecy affected the whole nation of Israel is that he prayed. He prayed before he delivered the first word. He prayed earnestly for three and a half years because people are dying and people are in trouble. And then Elijah walked out of the king's house after telling him it will not rain until God says. And then he goes home, and here's what he did. And this is just my paraphrase of this because he's, he's in faith and he has a word of knowledge and he speaks to this evil, mean king. And then he goes home and he can't believe what he did. He crawls under the bed and he cries. He weeps and he's scared can't believe I said that. I can't believe I did that. I can't believe. And listen, I can relate to that. There are so many times by the word and by the spirit that God will say this and and that through me. And then I get home and I think, I cannot believe I said, I'm not saying I'm Elijah by no means. I'm just saying I can understand that. But what happens is there's a boldness of faith that comes and God puts something in your spirit and you have to say it. Why? Because it affects the people who listen. It affects the people who are hungry. And, and the key was for Elijah, he didn't stop praying for three and a half years. And he kept praying. There's no rain. He keeps praying. That's called faith. But if I keep praying over it, isn't that doubt? I've had people say, well, aren't you just supposed to pray once? 
Because if I pray twice, isn't that doubt? No, that's not doubt because it takes faith to pray. Doubt is to stop praying. Let me, let me give you a practical definition of the gift of faith. When you don't have enough faith for the situation, the Holy Spirit comes and gives you some of his. Can, can you take that home with you? When you don't have enough faith, and, and listen, all of us have been there, and all of us will be there again, where we're going to hit something, and we're going to look and say, I don't have the faith to get through this. That's why this gift from the Holy Spirit, he will deposit his faith in you so that you can get through this, so you can hear what the Lord's trying to say to you. And everyone here, we, we believe God, but, we, but if you believe him, keep praying. Don't stop. Don't give up. Keep praying. And at some point in your life, when this kind of thing happens to you, you're, here's what's going to happen. You're going to know, I don't know how it's going to work out, but I have a peace inside, and I have faith that God's going to work this out, and that's called a gift of faith. Everybody okay? Everybody breathing? Okay. Here's the second gift. And these next two won't take as long as the first one, so um, maybe. Um, <laughs> the second one's the gifts of healings. Let me give you a definition. A supernatural endowment of divine health. This actually happens more than we think, so we, we, we fail to give God thanks for it. Let me tell you how it works, because we, 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 most of us don't realize this, but this is true. God created our bodies so that it would heal itself. Remember your first cut as a kid. You're not going to bleed to death. The blood's going to clot. Our bodies heal themselves better and better and more often if we eat right. (laughs) Our bodies heal themselves better and more often if we exercise regularly. Our bodies, watch, heals itself more consistently when we get rid of the stress of life so that we can relax, so that we can have a Sabbath in our body, so that we can rest. God wants us to have natural health, but he also wants us to have supernatural health. Well, why does he want us to have that? Because divine health was lost when Adam and Eve sinned. There was no sickness. They fell. Here comes sickness. So God gave divine health through the first Adam, but he lost it. So then God gave divine health again through the second Adam, Jesus. Romans calls Jesus the second Adam, the perfect man, and now and, and we are born again. Now we have his nature. So l- l- let me show you what Jesus did while he's here on the earth. Matthew eight sixteen. When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he, Jesus, cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick that he might be fulfilled, which was spoken by, the, by Isaiah the prophet, saying he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. It's not an angel. It's not some kind of vision here. This is Jesus himself. He bore our sickness and our infirmities. Now, here's my question. Do you believe that? Do you believe God still heals? That's really weak. Uh, th- then if you don't believe it, you are arguing with the word of God. Because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So he'll heal today and he'll heal tomorrow. It wasn't for a season, wasn't for a time. And there again, in healing, I know there are two aisles. I know there are abuse. I know there's neglect. I know there's ignorance. I know there's been the imagery that there has to be one person that has this gift. And you got to get to that one person. Well, that, that, that's not true. That's not the way the gift is. The gift belongs to the Holy Spirit. And any believer can pray this prayer. 
especially when they have prayed and heard God, and God gives them this unction to pray for that person, and, they, and then they're praying with them, and then God does the healing. 1 Peter 2.24, who himself bore our sins in his, own, in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness by whose stripes we're healed. So we've read two verses, one that says he bore our sickness and bore our sins. So which one do you believe? Why do we believe he bore our sins, but we won't believe he bore our sicknesses? Come on, I'm talking to the Bible Belt, South Alabama people. Why do we have one group with one foot in, one group with one foot out? Because, let me tell you why, because is because we have had abuse and neglect, one on each side. You've neglected to hear the word taught and give you the option to receive or either it has been abused to such that everything you see you think is weird and flaky. And most of it is. (laughs) Well, does God really have these kind of benefits? If God has benefit, I mean, when you took your job, did you leave out some of the benefits? Talk to me. No, you wanted all the benefits, right? Well, God has benefits. The psalmist said in Psalms 103, he said, Bless the Lord, O my soul, all that's within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Forget not all his benefits. So what are they? Well, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things. So your youth is renewed like the eagles. All these benefits. So why do we want to leave one out? Why not believe all of them? Well, it, because of faith. It, I, I mean, has, I, I have to understand that faith is required for gifts of healings and working of miracles to happen. If God speaks with words of faith and then it's not met with corresponding faith, there's no soil for faith to grow and there are no, resu- no results. Let me say it again, okay? God has spoken this. There's healing. God has spoken. There will be miracles. God has spoken. I'm going to save you. If I don't respond with faith that he's going to save me, if I don't respond in faith that he's going to heal me, then there is no soil for faith to take root so that what happens is something grows out of that where there is a salvation or where there's a healing. So it can't just be a head knowledge. It can't just be, oh, I recited this prayer or I I quoted this and I quoted that. It has to be inside my heart and I have to believe it and I have to have faith and I can't put my hands on the Holy Spirit and touch him. I can't touch Jesus. I can't see him. I can't follow him around. I'm going to have to have faith and faith comes by what the word of God has told us. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And if I don't know the word, if I've taken some of the word and put it out, if I have some of the word that I've excluded some of the word I don't understand that I can't have full faith in this and the Holy Spirit's heart is grieved to say listen I have these gifts that are available to you what you have to do is erase the question mark and take my word and seek my word and ask the Holy Spirit to confirm it and I will confirm my word in your spirit not some preacher First Corinthians twelve twenty eight, and God has appointed these in the church, these gifts. The word appointed there is really the word set, S-E-T. That word means ordained. God has adorned, ordained these in the church. And then he lists them all. 
apostles, prophets, teachers, miracles, gifts of healing, helps, administrations, variety of tongues. So it's in the church. So you, 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 may, want, you may can ignore them, but you can't get them out of the church. Acts 10, 38. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. So if a person is in need of the gift of healing, watch. Here's why. It's because the devil has oppressed. Because there is oppression against you. He can't take your salvation, but he can oppress. And the word devil there doesn't mean the devil himself. It means that he will use situations. He'll use your job. He'll use relationships. He'll use your health. He'll use anything he can to put oppression against you. He puts oppression on people anytime he can. And God's gifts of healing is the breaking of that oppression. And let me tell you what I've learned in pastoring. I have learned that there are three primary areas that he oppresses. You, you, you see, these gifts are good gifts, and I need these gifts. Why? Because the enemy's not waiting around to try to oppress me if I get these gifts. No, he's going to oppress me because he hates my Savior. He hates me, so he's going to oppress. So the three areas—you you see if you agree with me. There are three areas that the enemy oppresses. That's your family, your finances, and your physical health. He comes against your family. He comes against your marriage. He comes against your children. He, he comes against your finances. He tries to keep you in fear. He comes against your health. You get a report, and you, you know, your fear attacks you. you know, that, that's what he does. He puts oppression. But there is a gift of healing, and, and, and it's like a river flowing, but you have to get in the river. You have, the, the healing is there. So what did he just do? He, God first ordained the gifts of healing in the church. He put them there. They're still there. They haven't been removed. Secondly, he established in the church, and you can ignore them, but you can't get out of them. They're, they're here. You can disagree with what I'm saying, but that doesn't change anything. Thirdly, God ordered these gifts in the church so we would take advantage of them because oppression and sickness is a binding attack of the enemy, and God doesn't want his children in oppression and in bondage. He doesn't. He wants you. Listen, when you're on this earth, he wants you a vehicle that you are flowing in his presence and his goodness. So as you go through life and you work out life and things come along, that these gifts can come up in your spirit and help you identify things so that you're not caught up and stopped and oppressed and put in a place where you just want to give up and throw in the towel. And that's why the enemy has taken this, the Holy Spirit, and has taken and perverted and twisted and distracted this through so many denominations and so, so many different people that everybody has an opinion and everybody has an idea, but most people forget to look at what the Word of God says. And, and listen to me, I don't really give a whole lot of, uh, of, of value to someone's opinion unless it lines up with the Word of God. When it lines up with the Word of God, I believe what the Word of God says because our God is immutable. Here's what that means. It means he cannot change. He cannot change. So as a pastor, it breaks my heart when people are oppressed. 
It breaks my heart when their kids are under attack, when their marriage is under attack, when their finances, when their health, when you see people sick and they're going through treatments. It breaks my heart as a pastor. And, 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 And listen, the only thing I can do with it is I can pray and pray for you, but the one who can do it, the one who can turn it around is God and the Holy Spirit in you. But if you don't have the faith for that, if you don't understand that, if you're ignorant in that area, if you're afraid of that area, then you're going to be very reluctant to step in and offer faith. And it takes your faith to connect to God's faith so that a miracle can grow out of it. Are are y'all okay with me talking like this? Okay. Now, I I, got to go. I got to go. I'm not going to (laughs) go. You know, we we use the word salvation a lot. And and that word, let me tell you what that word means. It means completeness and wholeness and wellness for your whole being. The, the whole sarks, which is your spirit, possessed a soul, live in a body. Okay? It's housed here. Salvation is for your spirit, your soul, and your body. Complete. God, God didn't just give us one for just, for just the spirit to get saved, but for the whole thing. Isaiah 53 and 5, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. By his stripes were healed. And all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of all of us. Here's what I'm saying. There is so much more out there, and it's not weird, and it's not strange. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. The Holy Spirit is kind. The Holy Spirit is loving. And the Holy Spirit's heart is grieved, saying, I have all of these resources, and I'm willing for any believer, listen, any believer can operate, can receive and operate in these nine gifts. Any believer. It's not a certain per- Any believer. Let, I, let, let me go to the third one so I can wrap it up. Working of miracles. Working of miracles. Here's the definition. A divine intervention that alters our natural circumstances. And this happens more than we give God credit for because here's what we call it. We call it consequences or we, or we call it happenstance. Yeah, I just happened to run into so-and-so the other day. I happened to run into them at the store and hadn't seen them in years and they didn't know they were going through this, this, and this. And then while we're talking, I felt so compelled by the Holy Spirit to take them by the hand and pray for them, to give them a word of encouragement, to prophesy over their life, to speak encouragement, to speak things. Listen to me. You know what that was? That's a working of a miracle. You say, well, I, I didn't know. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Now, it may not have been for you, but it was for the other person. Because you're just that vehicle that God, you know, coordinated all the time elements to put you together with that person, or you're talking to them, or you or you work with them, and God put you there. Why? Because He wants to work a miracle. I mean, it, it happens all the time. I mean, you, you could be going down the stairs at your home, and your kids have left a, a toy on the stairs, and you step on it, and, and here you go. You, you, you're going to break your back or your leg or something, and all of a sudden you're able to reach over and grab the handrail. And it wasn't you. You're not that quick. Your reflexes aren't that good. It was God. You you see, I'm telling you, I I know, God does miracles in almost all of your lives every day. I know how you drive. I know how you drive. I, I, I see City Hope stickers all over the place. Some cut me off. Some fly past me. Some give me sign language as a pastor. You know what else he does? He provides angelic assignments for protection. 
Do you know that it's a miracle for children to reach adulthood? God protects our children, our teenagers. God allows us. He follows us around with divine protection to take care of your interests. He follows us around. His provision takes care of our interests. So let me say this, and I'll wrap it up. Both gift, gifts of healings and working of miracles, gifts of healings, working of miracles, plural, it says gifts and healings. It tells me that that's for the whole body, not, not an individual. It's for the whole body because he cares about everybody. What if it were for just one person? And you can't get to that person. Well, you're in trouble. It would be like if Jesus was still on the earth because people flocked to him, but the population in that country then was really small, you know, and they followed him by the hundreds. But what if there's no Holy Spirit and Jesus was still on the earth? How, how many people could actually get around him? How many could actually touch him? No, see, when Jesus left the earth, here's, here's what he basically said to the disciples. Bye. Say bye to me. Bye. And hello to the Holy Spirit. It's better that the Holy Spirit's on the earth than if, and if I were in the flesh. Because in the flesh, he can only be at one place at one time. We can all have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And if you need a miracle, if you need a healing, if you need faith, if you need a word of knowledge, word of wisdom, if you need to discern how the enemy is taking out things in your life, attacking you, the Holy Spirit will give these gifts of grace to every person who desires and that's, a, that's good. That's good news. And, and here, here's, here's, here's what I want to do. Because in my spirit this morning, in the first service, I felt just a complete directive change on this end. Because I'm talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And I should be saying, okay, well, if you want the gifts of the Holy Spirit, we want to pray for you. But all of a sudden, it's like the Lord just said, in worship, I, want you to, I want you to do it this way. I want, I want you to ask people to check their salvation. I want you to ask them to look deep inside and do they really know that they know that Jesus is Lord over their life? Not some prayer you prayed when you were eight years old, not something you recited, but you know Jesus is Lord of your life. And here's why. Because until Jesus is Lord of your life, until you are baptized into Jesus, you can't get to these gifts. And Jesus, in all of his compassion, gave his life for us so that we could be free and go to heaven. But he said, oh wait, there's more. I'm going back to the right hand of the Father, and we're going to send the Holy Spirit that can be everywhere, anywhere, at any time, so that as our people, as, as, as my believers are following me, and they hit obstacles in life, and the enemy tries to oppress them, the Holy Spirit is there to deposit these gifts in the... And listen, these gifts don't stay. They deposit, they're used for that purpose, and then they go. And then they can come back and be used again and again because you can't own them. They're his. So my question is, do you know? Are you sure? I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. See, if there's a doubt, if there's a question mark, then I want to clear that up today. If you're not sure, that's a question mark. If you don't really know, that's a question mark. Let's sure that up.
So I'm going to ask you. You're not sure. You've got a question mark. If Jesus is really Lord of my life, I want you to just lift your hand. All over the room. All of us, let's pray this prayer together. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Let's pray this prayer out loud. Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Thank you for loving me. And I ask you to forgive me. I want to be part of you. And I give you ownership of my life. And Jesus, now I understand that I'm a candidate to receive the gift of the sweet Holy Spirit so that I can live my life effectively. That there's absolutely nothing I can't encounter without your presence with me. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.